The Buckeyes are fresh and head into homecoming against an overmatched Rutgers team. I'm Steve Brown. And I'm Thomas Bradley. This is After the Score. Welcome to After the Score, 89.7's weekly look at sports. I'm Steve Brown here with Thomas Bradley. This week, we'll talk to a guy who teaches Australian rules football players how to punt an American football and then hooks them up with colleges here in the States. His clients include OSU punter Cam Johnston. And if you live near campus and you want to rent your house to make a, a little cash during an Ohio State game, there's a new website that lets you do that. It's called Rent Like a Champion. It works like Airbnb. We'll talk to the CEO of Rent Like a Champion. But first, the Buckeyes used last Saturday to rest after blowing out Oklahoma the week before, and the Buckeyes are back in Columbus this weekend. And Ohio State hosts Rutgers Saturday at noon in the shoe. And for a preview, we sat down with Eric Sager from 11warriors.com. We started by talking about how Ohio State has mostly avoided the injury bug so far in the season. There hasn't really been anyone that's gone down. K.J. Hill is out for three or four weeks with a high ankle sprain. And um, backup linebacker Justin Hilliard tore his biceps, so he's out for the season. So there there are some some depth issues as far as injuries go, but no nothing to any key guys at all. K.J. Hill scored the first touchdown of the season, though. He did, yes. And he, he had been playing very well, and that kind of hurts that wide receiver rotation because they've been running eight, nine, sometimes ten guys out there. So... We'll see how that kind of affects it, but he should be back in a month or so. Well, with a game that Noah Brown had against Oklahoma, they might not need really anyone else at wide <laughs> yeah, receiver. That was, he, he's kind of injured right now, right? He's, I mean, he's not bad, he, but he has, a, has right. an issue. Yeah, Urban keeps saying that he's not 100% because he broke his leg last year and he's still taking his time, and, and they're kind of easing him back, like maybe not practicing him as hard as some of the other guys just because he broke his leg last year. But uh, he did have a phenomenal game at Oklahoma and kind of fun to see. I mean, four touchdown catches that's – not not too many people can do yeah, that. Including the one where he caught the ball Catches on the yeah. guy's back. I, that's the best catch I've ever seen live. I, I've never Better seen it. Better than Devin Smith like against Wisconsin? Uh, that was pretty impressive, too. But <laughs> the fact that he like literally just caught it with one hand and then kind of bear hugged the guy right, like yeah. I just was my, my jaw dropped. It was pretty impressive. Was. I, th- I think the only catch better than that, I think it was a USC. Stanford game a couple years back. Odell Beckham, that's the NFL. No, like oh, yeah. Odell Beckham's Odell catch Beckham in the NFL is, was one of the best. But yeah. there was another one where the guy was running full full speed and pinned it on the guy's back. Yeah. I think it was a Stanford game. Yeah, and then uh, I think Tyron Protho back in like early 2000s for Alabama. I know, I know what you're talking about. Oh, yeah, that too, throw, that, throw, was, yeah. that was kind of the same thing. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I remember now that you're saying that USC-Stanford game too. Anyway, back to the Buckeyes. They're number two in the nation right now going into the Big Ten season. This is, they couldn't really ask to be anywhere better right I mean such a young team they look so good so far yeah and they you know the bye week came a little early I think it's kind of odd to have one before October Um, but the fact that they got their their three non-conference games out of the way and and they won those especially the big one in Oklahoma now they had a chance to kind of catch a breath and and, you know starting against Rutgers you know no disrespect to Chris Ash or or the Scarlet Knights but they're they're just really not in kind of in the conversation to even compete in the conference at all so Ohio State should handle business on Saturday, and then they play Indiana before they really get into the meat of it, and then they go on the road with uh, Penn State and Wisconsin back-to-back weeks. Rutgers has been in the Big Ten now for a few years, and Correct. it feels like they are still the newbies, the newcomers mm-hmm. that haven't done anything. What what do they need to do? Is the hiring of Chris Ass the first start That, that? was the big thing, yeah, and they, and they got a new AD, and they had a kind of a bad deal with Kyle Flood and Julie Herman, I believe was, was her name, as far as... You know, Kyle Flood emailed a professor to try to get one of his players eligible, and that kind of 
you know, paved the way for him to lose his job last year. Um, I think getting Chris Ash in there, and, and he's got a really a young, kind of exciting and anxious staff, uh, including Chris. He's one of eight guys who used to coach at Ohio State that's on the current Rutgers staff, and a mm-hmm. lot of those guys are in their 30s and even in their 20s. So, you know, they're, they, got, they got some good people there, and the next step is for him in recruiting to keep that talent in New Jersey and on the East Coast home because it is a hotbed for recruiting, and, and he's just got to do it. Um, I think he's a really good coach, but he's got to get the players in order to compete. There probably aren't many people on earth who know the Ohio State defense better than Chris, Chris Ash. He was right. the, the co-defensive coordinator here. Is there any chance he can catch lightning in a bottle and do something this Saturday? I mean, yeah, do they have I mean, they, they don't have the depth, obviously, right. but can they can they run with the Buckeyes? Absolutely. Get... I mean, and there's there's something that they can do. Um, I don't know if there's if he's going to try to pull any fast ones or anything like that because he had a couple injuries on his side as well to two of his best players. Um, but Urban Meyer said this week that they changed some of their signals because they're like Chris sure. Ash was the one that brought them here with us, so we had to do something in order, you know, because gamesmanship goes back and forth every week in any game so there is I mean some sort of advantage I think but the fact that Ohio State just has so much more talent so much more depth will kind of overwhelm them but by doing this I'm probably going to jinx the Buckeyes but I'm going to stop talking about the Buckeyes for a minute and I want to talk about the rest of college football because there's a lot of interesting storylines the biggest one is I think Louisville absolutely Um, we haven't talked about them since they destroyed number two Florida State Mm -hmm. but they're sitting at number three what kind of team is Louisville, and what kind of player is their quarterback? Oh, Lamar Jackson, he's he's kind of the front runner for the Heisman right now. He kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, Braxton Miller back in 2013. He's yeah. just brilliant in space and very fast and can take hits. Tough and, to tackle. Exactly. Yeah. He's just slippery, and, and he also can throw the ball very well. So they've got a lot of speed um, on the outside with some receivers. And Bobby Petrino, you know, kind of a lot of people made fun of him for the incident that happened in Arkansas when he wrecked his motorcycle with his mistress and lost his job. But uh, he's a brilliant offensive mind, and, and he's got, you know, Lamar Jackson in really great situations to play. So Louisville, you know, they're they're fun, and they, they got a big one actually Friday night um, against Clemson in mm-hmm. Death Valley. So we'll, we'll see for for real if yeah. if they are for real. You think Michigan's for real? They they play Wisconsin this weekend. A we'll big find test, out there too. Test I think season. I think they're going to win that game pretty handily, um, just because. Uh, Wisconsin's linebacker got hurt. Um, Vince Beagle, he's one of their best players, and, and Michigan's playing at home, and, and they've played well all year so far. Um, uh, but I'm not really sold on Wisconsin's offense. Um, they did drop 30 points on Michigan State last week, which was very surprising to me, but I think that was more telling for Michigan State than it was for Wisconsin. I think Michigan is for real, um, but they still need to do some more things to really kind of solidify it for me. And I, I, just, I think that they're kind of stuck at that number four team in the country like they are ranked right now. And sitting around, I think it's five or six, is still Houston. Yes, six. And, mm-hmm. and the most interesting thing about Houston right now, they don't have a tough game until Louisville. Right. But the most interesting thing is head coach Tom Herman. Mm-hmm. He's the, the number one name people are throwing out for LSU's head coaching position. Yep. LSU just fired Les Miles after they you know, dropped their first week to Wisconsin then lost most recently to Auburn. Uh, to yes. Auburn. Mm-hmm. Les Miles is out. Could Tom Herman be the next guy in Louisiana? I mean, I think he's easily the favorite, and I don't know what he's going to do if he's going to. I mean, I wouldn't. I would be shocked if he did not continue to coach this Houston team because he's got kind of the momentum, and they won last night against UConn pretty handily. So, you know, like you said, if they could beat Louisville and kind of sneak into the playoff, I mean, if they're undefeated, they beat Oklahoma, they beat Louisville. Those are two top ten teams when they played them. 
you know, he's going to want to stay there. But he is the big name for for LSU, and, and I think that LSU is going to throw a ton of money at him, and it's going to be tough for him to say no. More than his $5 million incentive he's got coming his way soon? <laughs> Supposedly. If I he, mean, that's Houston, kind of the rumor. If Houston makes a Power 5 conference, Tom Herman's got a $5 million bonus coming his way. And they, I think Houston is kind of in the lead to join the Big 12, as they should be because of what Tom is building there. Um, but LSU... No disrespect to Houston, LSU is kind of a better job, in my opinion, just because of recruiting in Louisiana is intense, and you're in the SEC, and you know you can kind of build something and, and compete with Alabama, then you're going to be up there in the national scope every single year. You mentioned his image problems. Is there any way Bobby Petrino can leave Louisville and go to LSU? <laughs> I, I mean, doubt it. He's the he, he might could. be he might be the best play caller in the country. He could. You know, it's it's kind of his name and Coach Herman's name, and even even Jimbo Fisher from Florida State because he's kind of fallen off the map a little bit with his teams despite having really great recruiting national classes title since, three years since ago, they won the national championship being yeah. in the playoffs last year yeah i mean it's 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 kind of crazy how that is kind of the landscape in college football now and these guys that they get fired this have these ridiculous buyouts i think like less is owed like eight eight billion dollars from lsu and we can even talk about charlie weiss is like 35 million from notre dame all that you know but you got to win now and and that's what tom herman is doing and he's done that the last two years so that's why he's a hot name Eric Sager from 11warriors.com. Thanks. Thanks, guys. It's probably too late for this weekend, but if you're coming into Columbus for next weekend's game against Indiana or maybe even a Michigan game down in November, you might want to check out rentlikeachampion.com. Yeah, it's basically the Airbnb for sports fans. People who live near Ohio Stadium or other major sports venues can sign up to rent their place to traveling sports fans. For more details on how renters and homeowners can use the site, we talked with CEO Michael Doyle. Yeah, I mean, I think the big difference between us and some of the other uh, players in the industry is that uh, we are so focused around events and more specifically big-time sporting events. So, you know, we're marketing to, uh, in your case, you know, diehard Ohio State Buckeye fans who we know are coming into town for these big-time sporting events. We're marketing to parents of students who are coming into town for graduation weekends. We're starting to do some stuff around uh, the Arnold Classic, different things like that. So we're just able to get really, really dialed in with our messaging and get in front of these exact groups who we know are coming in for these big-time weekends. Steve and I both went to Ohio State and both lived in off-campus housing around Ohio State. And to say that it, some of it is a little iffy is an understatement. Is there any is there any like concerns with marketing these off-campus houses that maybe a student can rent out a room for a weekend and it have it being subpar for what people might expect from an Airbnb? Yeah, you know it's it's interesting. Uh, I think that's a, a misconception is that a lot of the homes on our platform are uh, off-campus rentals that are lived in by current students. Um, and that's that's really not the case. We actually have very, very few across our platform homes that are lived in by students. Our, our properties are usually owned and lived in by uh, professors, you know, graduate students, other university employees. Uh, 95% of our properties are actually primary residences. So it's families who live there 99% of the time. And then for a week at a time throughout the year or a weekend at a time, excuse me, they'll rent it out to, to traveling fans. Um, so it's, it's almost always, you know, a family home where they pack up their things and they leave town for the weekend. And then another differentiator between us, I think, and a site like Airbnb is that with us, you don't rent out just a, a couch or a bedroom. Uh, everything on our site, you're renting the entire home. So we're, we're catering to these families who are coming in for Ohio State games. They want the privacy of their own home. Uh, so you're not just getting a private room with the owner down the hall. And if you're coming in town for a big time college football game, you might kind of want a party house, Thomas. <laughs> you might right. I mean, you might want to. Yeah, you might want to be close to campus, be in on the action. Um, 
How has growth been with your site? I mean, is, are you are you experiencing growth? Are you getting more and more customers? Yeah, it's it's been great. You know, we've been uh, we've been growing both within college markets. We're starting to do some really cool stuff with with other sporting events, or partnering with some PGA events to do private home rentals for golfers and caddies. Uh, we're starting to do rentals around NASCAR races. Actually, this week we have a pretty big group of our customers renting homes up in uh, Minnesota for the Ryder Cup. Um, so, I guess short answer is it's been great, and I think you know the the Shark Tank effect. Uh, cannot be underplayed. I mean, that's that's had a lot to do with it. You know, appearing on the show just overnight, all of a sudden, six million people know your name and know who you are. So that's definitely been a big boost to the company. How was that experience? Was it was it humbling, or how would you describe the Shark Tank experience, where you you guys went in, in front of the the quote unquote sharks, the big time CEOs who choose to to or not to invest in your company? Yeah, I mean, definitely, definitely some nerves. I think if somebody who goes on the show tells you that they weren't nervous, they're probably lying because, uh, you know, it is a, a bit of a nerve wracking experience. But all in all, I mean, it was, I think, one of the, the most meaningful experiences and the neatest experience I've had both from a career perspective and then also just personally, uh, you know, got to you know kind of see what goes into making a show like that. Got to meet a lot of other really cool companies, a lot of entrepreneurs doing great things from around the country. You know, they film uh, big chunks of the season a week at a time. So you're out there filming with 50 or 60 other companies. And it was, you know, it was kind of a, we started referring to it as entrepreneurship summer camp. You're all staying in the hotel together. They're shuttling you back and forth to the soundstage. Uh, so just, you know, a great experience overall. And then as I mentioned before, the after effect, once it actually goes on the air um, is, is, is huge. It really can't be understated. We're definitely living in a sharing culture with VRBO, Airbnb, Uber, Lyft, we're we're in this kind of startup sharing age, and one of the biggest issues that people always talk about is the issue of liability um, with people renting out their homes, renting out their cars, renting out their their vacation homes. How do you guys approach the liability issue? Sure, that's that's definitely something that that we take very seriously, uh, and you know, a question that comes up very very often when we're talking with homeowners. Who, who are interested in listing their house, this question always comes up. Um, I, you know, we've done a really good job of protecting our homeowners. We have a million dollar insurance policy that we take out on every rental that goes through our site. We have a security deposit that we take out on the renter's credit card before they ever step foot in your home. Um, so we, you know, we put these precautions in place, but you know, we've done thousands of rentals. We've hosted tens of thousands of travelers. The incident rate when we've had to actually charge that security deposit has been 1.9%. So it's very rare that we have any sorts of issues. But with that said, we, we do have these insurance policies in place just to make sure that everyone using the platform feels protected. Michael Doyle is the CEO of RentLikeAChampion.com. That's a website that lets people rent out their homes to sports fans coming into town from another area. Michael, thanks again for your time. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. I really enjoyed it. And one person who could be using Rent Like a Champion in the coming weeks is Nathan Chapman. Nathan Chapman runs the business Pro Kick Australia. Basically, he takes Australian rules football players who have good legs, and then he teaches them to kick in American football. And for the ones who are really good, he links them up with colleges looking for punters. Among his most successful clients is Ohio State punter Cam Johnston. We wanted to know more about his program, so we called Chapman to talk about some of his other well-known projects. And he was speaking to us on a cell phone from Australia, so excuse some of the crackly audio. A number of three good players at the moment. Um, Mitch Wisniewski at Utah with a small prediction at Texas. Chris Tilby at USC. There's Wade Lee's at Maryland. Tom Sheldon at North Carolina and... Uh, and number more, we can sort of talk about Dane Roy at, at uh, Houston. So we've got a really nice spread of guys who are 
know, participating in either, you know, like Cameron and his senior year, but a number of guys who are freshmen as well. He's trying to pave the way for, um, you know, a better punting performance across the, across the league. Talk, talk about your strategy for finding footy players in Australia and converting them to kick in American football. It's a very different sport, but the culture of Australian rules football and footy leans heavily on the kicking, which American football does not other than the punters. So was this like a natural thing for you to decide to do to find these footy players and turn them into punters? I know we've got the talent here. I tried myself to play professionally over the years for, for 10 years and then um, spent some time at the Green Bay Packers and then um, didn't quite make the, the final roster there and thought, look, there's, there's lots of young men who are good enough and strong enough and have the ability to do so and, and forge good college careers and if they make the pros, great. So it was, a, it was a matter of, I didn't make it, so how can I help someone else do a better job and so that we can you know, provide opportunities for, for many young Australian lads to uh, continue to do what they do and enjoy kicking a, a football, albeit a different one, um, and, and get educated at the same time. How hard is it for them to make that transition? I, you know, I, I assume that a lot of it is the same, right? Kicking is kicking, but they, it, it is a different ball, like you say, and I, 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 that requires a, a different skill set. Yeah, look, we could um, we could take the, the rugby punt and the rollout punt, and there would be 10,000 kids tomorrow that could walk into college football and do it. There is a bit of a skill to it, and there's, and there's an art, but that's our natural form of kicking. The spiral is something that we can do. Um, we do practice it here uh, naturally in our Australian game, uh, but we know that college coaches want that, professional coaches want it, and we, we basically train guys to learn the game, learn the mechanics of the spiral so they're consistent in it, and generally our programs anywhere from uh, 12 to 14 months before you, you sign up, uh, go through the technical phase and then you know, be able to I guess get recruited to you know the US. How much footy experience does a player like Cam Johnston have before you scout him out, or he scouts you out and decide I'm going to make the switch to American football? Is is he is he a high school footy player? What's what's the situation there? Well, it's all different. We I'm 41 years of age, and I could go and play and sign up to a football team in Australia tomorrow. Our game or our system allows us to play it always. Therefore, I've got guys in the program who are um, in year nine and 14 years of age, and I've got guys who are actually 27 um, who continue to play football here and are eligible to go to college. So the experience varies. What our job is is to make sure that we select the right kids for the right program so we know that they can football at that level and under the, the pressures of being in like Cameron at Ohio State, that's not something that any kid in the country can do. Is it? A, it's a pretty big culture change for these guys, right? They're coming from Australia. They're playing a different sport. Some of them are there in their upper twenties, and then they're put on a college campus with eighteen to twenty-two year olds. This is a a really big life shift for them. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And um, and that's something we talk to coaches about too, just to make sure they they fit in, that they're room with the right guys. It's a, it certainly is. When you put a twenty-seven year old. Um, a couple of 27-year-olds at college, and they've, they've got to readjust to college life. You know, hang, being around uh, younger athletes is different. And to be honest, that's something that um, excites college coaches to know they can get someone who's more mature, um, 
a little bit more worldly, doesn't or might handle the pressures a bit different, um, and can process information a different way than what a 17, 18 year old. So it's, it's got its it's got its pros, and it's um, you know something the coaches are really looking for. On Saturday, the footy grand final in Melbourne takes place, and then later in the day for you, Cam Johnston is going to play another game against Rutgers. Are you going to be watching both these games, or are you going to be focused on the, the footy grand final down in Australia? Well, the beauty is my Saturday is your Friday, so I'll watch both. And um, I'm here at a reunion now with the, um, my ex-professional AFL players here. Uh, we're catching up. It's a, a, a great week for us. It's, you know, all the all the fun and excitement of a like a Super Bowl week. Um, but then we get to wake up and watch our you know, our our students play and enjoy what they do. So, um, you know, with with Cameron playing, we've got a young man who's injured at the moment at Rutgers. So there's a lot of good rivalries going on between um, a number of our players. Uh, and you know, I feel really fortunate. In, in three weeks' time, I'll be. I'll be over to watch uh, Cameron play in the uh, Penn State game and also the Northwestern game. So I'm really looking forward to that. Nathan Chapman is a coach of young men in Australia. He runs Pro Kick Australia, which teaches young Australian rules football players to kick an American football and hopefully link up with a college here in the States. Nathan, thanks for taking time out of your party to talk to us. No worries, guys. Enjoy it. Former tight end for the Cincinnati Bengals has written a book that he hopes will be a keepsake in case his memory fades even more. Ben Utek says he experienced five documented concussions and probably many more. He's written a book documenting his struggles with memory loss. It's called Counting the Days Until My Mind Slips Away, A Love Letter to My Family. And he joins us now. Ben, thanks for your time. Thanks for having me, guys. You say this book is a keepsake, a way to preserve your memories before they fade away. Just how serious is your memory loss? Well, I would say that that uh, anytime you know you you kind of go into your past and significant moments are gone, it's it's significant, and that that's happened to me, you know, a couple of handfuls of times. Unfortunately, um, one example that I talk about in the book is sitting across from one of my former teammates in college. And we were talking about, uh, you know, our, our weddings, and I, I interrupted and said, you know, you know, why wasn't I able to be at yours? And they, my wife and his wife, they, you know, laughed it off as sarcasm, and I said, no, seriously, why wasn't I able to be there? And she, uh, his wife got up and brought over their wedding album, and page after page, there I was as a Grimsman and a singer in his wedding, and didn't matter how many times I looked at the photos, I mean, it's it's just not there. It's completely gone. I can't. I can't find it. I can't place it. And, you know, so th- those are some of the, you know, those are some of the uh, moments um, that I think gave my wife and I, you know, you know, concern. Um, and a part of the, you know, obviously a big reason is as to why I'm, I'm writing the book. Your memory at one point, your short-term memory and long-term memory were, were down to in the teens, near the mm-hmm. single digits. How is your, how is your memory now? How are you testing now? Well, thank you. That's a great question because, um, the, the book has a has a hope message to it, and the way that it ends just you know is, is the story that that you just brought up here. And and I I, I did a hundred hour um, intensive brain training program this last year, and my neuropsych evaluation showed that my short long term memory were in the twelfth and seventeenth percentile. Um, and I'm happy to say that after 
100 hours, my post-evaluation results were that my short long-term went to the 78th and 90th percentile. And so there's been some really miraculous um, some miraculous healing over the last year. And I feel, um, I feel like today there's, there's hope that what I've done is I've created new pathways to store memory better going forward. It doesn't mean that I'll be able to retrieve memory from the past and from the concussions that happened, but going forward now, and as a dad of four, four girls, you know, that's a, that's really important, um, hope for me. It sounds like there is some hope in your story. This is still pretty terrifying. I, I only played football until high school, and I certainly wasn't as good as you. But I, I can remember getting hit pretty hard and having to sit out a few plays. And, you know, I'm the same age as you. Back then they called it getting your bell rung. But mm-hmm. I, I could have really been doing serious harm to myself. And, and, and we don't know how these things are going to progress later in life. You and I are only 35 years old. What's going to happen when we're 60 and 70? And honestly, I think that's that's the spirit that the book was written in. Um you know that the title is a um, is kind of a shocking title, but I think what you have to understand is that's the first line of the song that I wrote. Ben Utak is a former tight end for the Cincinnati Bengals. He suffered memory loss because of several concussions, and he's written a new book about his struggles called "Counting the Days Until My Mind Slips Away: A Love Letter to My Family." Ben, we we really do wish you well, and and thanks again for taking some time out to talk to us. Thanks, you guys. I'm in here counting the days While my mind is slipping away So to basically no one's surprise, the Browns have suffered another gut punch. Last week, we, we made fun of them at, at length. For you, you don't even have to make fun of them. You just It's reality. We talked about them at length, and it came <laughs> off in a humorous way. And, and I'm going to try to avoid doing that this time because it actually is somewhat more of a serious issue. They were expecting to get Josh Gordon back from suspension. Yeah, for yeah next Sunday, game five, whoever they play. I don't know. They were expecting five. to get him back in a week, and that's not going to happen. Josh Gordon has now checked himself into a rehab facility, and it seems like the drug problem he's been dealing with is a lot worse than a lot of people a lot of people expected. And and obviously we wish him all the best and hope he can become a successful NFL player in the future and that doesn't seem to be in the immediate future. No, and of, of course his his life comes before football. It is just f- from a Browns standpoint it's just another Browns thing that could happen and I I wish the guy well. I I really really do whatever issues he's doing with. I hope he can overcome them. I just when do the Browns cut ties with this guy i mean what is why why not uh, he, he costs them very little because he's still on his rookie contract and if he comes back this season he would still be in year two of the contract because of all the time he's spent on suspension but wh- why continue having this cloud over the organization's head why not just cut cut him it's because he's got talent the longer leash that you know the better you are the longer the leash i, I guess so and it this this is not the first Browns player in the last year to check himself into rehab. Right. But the last one they did, of course, is Johnny Manziel. And when he did that, it felt very much like a reactionary move of his, that he was getting such bad PR. He was struggling so much on the field. He did not he, have his he's, life yeah, he's never He's never had a substance abuse suspension. He tried to get ahead of it, and it's, it felt like a PR move. This kind of came out of nowhere. People were expecting Josh Gordon back in a couple weeks. He looked great in the preseason. He was able to, to play in the preseason, and he looked amazing. He looked like old Josh Gordon. He looked all pro. So I think the Browns are kind of approaching it. We want to invest in this guy's future, one, because he's got talent, and two, he's got 
somewhat of a head on his shoulders. I'm not going to say he's the smartest guy in the world. It's 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 not the smartest thing to fail drug tests in the NFL. That you you've got a bright future ahead of you. I'm not saying he's the smartest guy, but this feels like a genuine move from Josh Gordon. So I think the Browns hold on to him, and he, and you know what. He's got talent. I think that's the biggest thing above it all. He's a star, a potential star player in the NFL. On a far less serious note, someone else leaving an organization, Thomas Bradley. This is my last show with WOSU, and I just want to thank everyone for tuning in week after week and listening. It's It's been a great honor to be a part of WOSU and after the score. And uh, I just want to thank you guys, the listeners. I want to take, thank Steve, thank our news director, Mike Thompson, uh, for the awesome opportunity it's been over the last couple of years so uh you know thank you everyone thanks for thanks for being here thomas and thanks for all your help producing the show it's been a lot of fun that will do it for our final full episode of after the score you can find a archive of all of our earlier episodes using the wosu public media mobile app